um, every Christmas, we hear this great story that we heard from our kids today about the shepherds who first heard about the birth of Jesus. And every time, we can't help but feel the excitement that made Kyle say, oh, great Moses. <laughs> we hear the surprise that the Messiah is coming as a baby and how that seems like the kind of thing you would hear in a dream. We can't help but want to join in the excitement, but sometimes it's hard to remember what all the fuss is about. Well, honestly, the fuss is about a whole lot. Uh, and we'll be taking, talking about that fuss for the next month or so. Uh, but let's take a time as a short introduction to all the fuss. So to figure out why this was such a good news, we're going to take a look at what the birth of Jesus means for the entire world. We're going to see first what the birth of Jesus says about God, and finally what it means for all of humanity. First, what the birth of Jesus meant for God. We believe that the person of Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ, God came as a human being. Think about that. The one true God, the maker of heaven and earth and everything in it, the most powerful and exalted being possible, who formed the giant Appalachian mountain range with just a word and made every star in this massive universe, became a living, breathing human being just like you and I. And he didn't become some almost human either. He didn't become a human with superpowers that could look like a human most of the time, but then decides to fly when he gets tired of walking. No, he became just like you and me in every respect. God came to the world in flesh, and he had a certain hair color and skin and arm length and wingspan. The one who rightfully deserves all the praise in the entire world because he made the entire world became a simple human. You could touch God just like you could touch me. Can you imagine? And when God became a human, he didn't even become a a king or a rich lord or something. He didn't enter into the world as a fully formed adult capable of taking care of himself. No, he became a poor peasant child from parents who barely scraped together enough to survive. When he was born, he was laid in a feeding trough because there was no room for him anyplace else. God himself, who needs nothing, for our sake, became a tiny little baby who was totally dependent on his mother to survive. Could you imagine the indignity of God as a fetus? Or God emerging from the birth canal? Or can you imagine that God had to nurse from his mother? Last week, we talked about a passage where people asked God, oh, if you'd only tear open the heavens and come down. In other words, this world is full of terrors and evil. There's bombings and hatred and robbers and scary animals that come out to get us. When we suffer, we can't help but cry out, oh, if only God, if you would tear open the heavens and come down to us and set it all right. God, we don't even deserve this much from you, because us humans are the ones who destroyed your creation in the first place. But if only you would leave your place on the throne of the world just for a few moments and make us feel all right, we would feel happy. Maybe some people had a faint idea that God would show up in a new way. I mean, they didn't think they deserved it, but it could happen. But absolutely nobody expected this. Nobody expected that God would become a human. And certainly not a peasant, not a nursing infant, not a physical human in the flesh with a hair color and wingspan and height. God doesn't deserve that. It's blasphemy. But by God, it happened. Can you believe that? What this means is that God is completely different from what anyone in the world actually thought. I mean, what else could it mean? Nobody predicted this. It's absurd. 
No, God is totally different from what anyone thought. We can never understand it. I mean, what this means is that God is not a tyrannical king who demands this thing and that. He doesn't need us for his every whim and whatever makes him happy. He doesn't need a sacrifice for his, his sake, like practically every other king in the history of the world has. No. Instead, God gave up every honor and glory that rightfully belonged to him so that he could become one of us in every way that you could think of. And believe it or not, he did all of this so that he could suffer and die for us. All of this so that he could save us from a mess that was all our fault in the first place. God loves us. Can, what else could that mean? God loves us. He loves us far more than any father that got down on his knees to play with his children. He loves us far more than any mother that fought and tore apart anything that came between her and her kids. In the person of Jesus Christ, God died for us. He died for every human who ever lived or ever will live. Now this means something incredible for humanity. If God didn't think it was going too far to actually become one of us, then that means that us humans are pretty important. The God of the universe who made the world and whose opinion is the only one that actually matters became one of us to save us. Paul says it like this. Rarely would anyone die for a good person, even though you could imagine that someone would love a good person enough to die for them. Sure. But God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we still hated God and cursed him, Christ died for us. Now notice that an important part of that statement is that we needed saving in the first place. We notice when we look around the world that everything is not all right. We see death and pain and sickness and suffering. We see people hating each other and taking advantage of each other. We know it deep in our bones that that's not the way it's supposed to be. And we need saving because all of us contribute to that terrible picture in one way or another. Nobody's hands are clean. We need to be radically changed. If we are going to be the kinds of people that can help pick up the broken pieces of this broken world and make it all right again with God. And the way that God did that was by living the kind of life that we, life that we were always meant to live dying to cleanse us of our evil ways, and being raised again to empower us to a new kind of life. And he went through all of that for us. A famous pastor named Tim Keller had said the heart of the Christian message is that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. What this means is that humans have been blessed with incredible dignity. And that includes every single human that's ever lived, from the highest to the lowest. And it has nothing to do with what we do or where we are, or what our job is or what our stage of life is. Believe it or not, it has nothing to do with what we produce or how we behave either. How do we know? Because God loved us long before we brought anything to the table. Because when we ignored God, he became one of us. And when we hated God and killed God, he loved us still. And more than that, he defeated the evil that called hold of us on the cross, and he, raised, he was raised from the dead triumphant over it. More than that, by becoming human, God united himself to humanity in a way that we could never change. When Jesus became a human being, he never stopped being a human being, even after he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. 
Jesus is still a human right now. Can you imagine? By becoming a person, God has permanently united himself to humanity, and so humanity can never be the same again. Think about it. If an alien from some other planet came and landed on this earth, it would be totally appropriate for that alien to show us reverence, because the true God of the universe actually became one of us. They might call us God-bearers or something, because we were made in his image. Human studies would be opening up in alien universities just to better understand the person Jesus Christ. This little species we belong to is the one that God loves, and he has permanently united uh, us with it. And so we should treat each other with incredible reverence, too. Nobody exists for your sake. It is terribly wrong to take advantage of them or to say that they're not incredibly valuable. And it's terribly wrong for you to tell yourself that you're not valuable. Whether you're rich or poor, skinny or fat, happy or sad, young or old, you are profoundly, absurdly valuable because you've been blessed with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ who looks just like you. As the hymn says, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul found its worth. We know that we have worth because God became one of us. What better proof could there be? And what this means is that if you are a human being, if you, a heart, if you have a heart that beats in your chest like Jesus did, if you have a brain that governs your thinking like Jesus did, if you have eyes and ears like Jesus did, then God desperately loves you. He loves you so much that he became like you and died for you. And he wants nothing more than for you to love him in return and join in his work of loving and serving this world. It's all true. This is the greatest news that has ever existed or could ever exist. God became one of us, which means that God is profoundly good in ways that we could never expect. He loves us, and because he loves us, we are incredibly valuable. And if we're valuable, that means that our lives actually are important and have purpose. This all really matters. He invites us to love him in return and to love the world that he created because that's what we're made to do from the beginning. This is the kind of news that made Kyle say, oh, great Moses. And they couldn't help but spread the news. How could we not do the same? Notice they didn't go out there from from there and come up with their best facts and logic and arguments that it took to, to convince everybody. No, they went out of there with all the joy they could have happily spreading life-changing and world-changing news. I imagine if one of those shepherds came up to you and said, God has become a person and he's here with us. It would almost sound like what it sounded like as a kid when I couldn't help but tell everyone about this really cool new video game that came out. It's just such exciting news that you couldn't really enjoy it unless you shared it with other people. And that's what God calls us to do. He's calling us to go tell it on the mountain that Jesus is born and our excitement just overflows into telling other people about it. So this week, I hope that you spend some time really thinking about how good this news really is, and that you might think about what it means for your life, because it really does change everything. And if you do, I hope that excitement overflows into telling whoever would hear you about it, because how could you not share news this exciting? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, You have loved us far more than we had any right to expect. Help us to recognize just how exciting the news of your birth is so that our joy would bubble over into every area of our lives 
and so that the world would hear that we have a God who became one of us. Amen.